Diversity, equity, and inclusion are three words we hear often whose meaning and application in the community can be so misunderstood. Coupled with this is the question of why practicing such is necessary in the first place. Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. Diversity, equity, and inclusion is made necessary as responses to how a segment of our community has long mismanaged their behavior regarding race and still continues to do so. A diverse, inclusive community is a stronger community, and although progress towards such is being made, it still remains a challenge. On this edition, we touch that central core issue of race, along with additional insights to achieving success with diversity, equity, and inclusion in our community. Helping us get there again, we connect with DEI consultant and historian, Ms. Jamika Lewis. I'm very curious about people's stories and people's beliefs. Mm-hmm. And so along with listening to their stories and their beliefs, I also ask them what are those beliefs founded on or how did they reach a certain conclusion or how did they accept and absorb a certain opinion. Yeah. And so then I take that and then I try to find supplemental information, even if it's not something I agree with, I still try to understand how they got to the point of accepting that certain mindset or that certain opinion. If we can make a change or or modify how we manage ourselves in that direction, so we get to the workplace, we can make diversity work a lot more effectively. Some of the ways maybe, uh, you know, celebrating everybody's diverse holidays as a team, as a group, using anonymous recruiting practices. I mean, really using anonymous recruiting practices practices. Not that, you know, we have uh, Jamaica and I want Jamaica to have that job, so I have to do the EOE just because the government says I have to. I don't always oppose that just because I think a lot of companies ignore talent that they have internally, and those opportunities aren't always available to certain people, even when they are more than qualified for them. Mm -hmm. So I I don't always oppose that. I oppose it when people who are instantly promoted or who are kind of put on a promotional track are only on that because they tend to always agree with upper management. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no way I could be a good supervisor or a good manager without my staff challenging me. And they do that. Tell me the importance of investing in training and development for diverse employees. A lot of employees don't have access to their own personal capital to afford to go to those training and development opportunities. And so if we want company culture to um, improve or, you know, become better, then you definitely want to, as an organization, invest in those opportunities Um, and then make sure that the things that are learned or that were um, beneficial – are applied mm-hmm. and like organizations are, are living, breathing things. So they are, they will evolve and they should evolve. Um, there, there will be some company norms, but you know, as time goes on and, and we're in a rapidly changing world, um, I think companies should, should, should seek to try to keep up with what's going on outside of those doors. And those different training and development opportunities can expose people to that. The bottom line on a lot of this is that you wouldn't have to really worry about practicing inclusion and diversity 
if it wasn't, a lot of it was grounded in race. Take care of that, then the other ones will take care of themselves. We could solve the issue of race that solves diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think race and ethnicity are just one part. Yeah. And that's because we have people who are discriminated against because of their sex, their sexual orientation, because of their gender identity, because of their religion and religious beliefs. Um, and so while I think race is a huge piece of the pie, a big piece of the puzzle, I don't think it's all-encompassing. Yeah. And I don't think that solving for race will just magically wipe away all of the other issues. Mm-hmm. I think that it's huge. I think it's one that's most prevalent. But I don't think that we can um, piggyback on, on solving the race issues and make that kind of blanketed across the board. Um, the way we handle race and ethnicity should be different than how we handle um, other discriminatory practices. They all should be handled, though. Yeah. But they yeah. all should be handled individually and uniquely. But race shows up a lot in everyday systems in life. Is that correct? Yes. Everyday systems, that's what I taught and that's what I teach. I teach the historical foundations of race and then how those foundations seep into everyday life, every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a system that exists that where race and ethnicity are not um, included or discrimination is not prevalent. That's why we call it systemic racism, because it is in every single system, okay, globally, you, when, when not you, just in the United States. When you say system, what are you meaning there? Does that mean in hiring practices? Does that mean in just the way people uh, relate to each other? I'm talking about all of that. I'm talking about our interpersonal systems, how we relate to and view other people. I'm talking about our intrapersonal systems. I'm talking about um, every single system, whether it's housing, whether it's economic, whether it's financial, Uh whether it's social, all those systems have racial discriminatory practices in them, every single one. In America, we also have the unique, uh, we've actually incorporated uh, race-related legislation into some of the uh, government work product that we've done in the country up over the last 150 years or so. Yeah, we have. And while people may say that's progress, I say I always want to get to why it was needed in the first place. And how can we expect new legislation to undo 400-plus years of discrimination in this country? And the answer is we can't. So what can we personally do? Because if we, again, we're talking about personal behavior change here to uh, try to to make that better, uh, be aware of our own unconscious bias, we would probably have to start there for sure. And spreading awareness Mm -hmm. to other people? Oh, definitely. Um, It starts with we have to do the the work ourselves first. It has to start with us individually. And so like you mentioned, being aware of what your unconscious biases are, and that could be as simple as, you know, if someone of a different ethnicity cuts you off, how do you respond? Yeah. Is there a racial epithet that comes to mind or is it just a general annoyance? We have to be aware that we all have some certain measure of privilege and how can we use that? Even I, as a black, um, overweight, single mom, 
I have a measure of privilege because I'm educated and because I work um, in a, you know, managerial position. And Mm -hmm. so that gives me, you know, a certain measure of privilege and I recognize that. And so how can I leverage that? How can I use that to make someone else's life better? As you said, we definitely have to listen. Listen should be at the very top of the list. And don't always listen to formulate a response. Like, just listen to understand. And sometimes things don't warrant a response. Um, We always, (laughs) I think as Americans, we've been ingrained that our opinions matter in every way, in every way, shape, form, and fashion. And, like, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but sometimes our opinions don't matter. Sometimes we just need to sit down and be quiet and absorb, and that's okay. You know, maybe we also have to learn to acknowledge racism and all of its facets so we can do something about it or, do, or starting with ourselves as well. Absolutely. Um, it, it has to start with us because if we don't tackle those personal issues, then, you know, we won't be willing to tackle those in a more public forum like our workplaces. It's got to be tough for some people to... Um, tune out stories of racial injustice and they want to say something or do something, but they can't find it within themselves to do it. How do they overcome that? It is difficult. Um, That first step is really, really hard. How overcoming it is not easy. It's not easy to ever put yourself in a position to speak out um, for, on behalf of other people. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, these days it can be dangerous to do so. I think weighing the risks, weighing the pros and cons of what speaking out could mean is one way to overcome it. Trying to get to the why. Why is it that you want to speak out? Why is it that you want to stand up? The why is is what sustains most people mm-hmm. when it comes to racial equity work and discrimination work. Um, the whys are, are what give people that constant fire that constant desire to continue the work. I think making, being aware of the reasoning and being aware of the risk um, is very important, but also understand that even that one singular action can have an incredible influence on someone else. Yes, it can. And, and, and that it, is, it can be a ripple effect. Mm-hmm. So it may affect that one person. That one person may be inspired to do something that may inspire a group of people to do something. And then let, then next thing you know, you have a thousand people inspired yeah. to do something. All, all because you took that first step, you know. All because you were brave and took that first step. I guess the final thing we'll touch on is that I know uh, people of color a lot of times, especially recently here, people of color have been saying, well, white people did this, white people did that and kind of lumping all uh, Caucasian Americans into the same bunch. And I go, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think I know, that we would not have had a civil rights movement without uh, uh, Anglo partners. There is just no doubt about that. Um, Don't people of color also have to not just assume they are the victims of, of racism, that kind of thing, but, you know, we kind of practice it occasionally, too. Yeah, unfortunately, that that is true. Um, sometimes oppressed people can look for other people to oppress in order to feel better about their own oppression. Yeah, 
And we have to be very careful with that. You know, different communities and ethnicities of color tend to, unfortunately, turn um, the oppression that they receive onto other communities of color. Examples, I mean, anti-blackness is global. No matter where you go, there is going to be some anti-black, uh, anti-black sentiment. And so when, when we consider how other um, ethnicities treat other ethnicities of color, it can be disappointing. It can be very disappointing. Yeah. Um, and you're right. The civil rights movement, um, there were a lot of Caucasian or white people who participated in that movement. It's probably controversial to say I wouldn't go as far as to say that we wouldn't have been successful without them. Um, I think that the things that were done at the grassroots got the attention of the right people. And, but that of course didn't come without sacrifices. I mean, we lost Medgar Evers, we lost Dr. King, we lost Malcolm X, we lost so many people. And so, you know, those movements didn't come without um, its risks. But I mean, I think there've always been um, white people who adamantly oppose mistreatment of people of color. Yeah. All I need from them is to be more vocal about it. Okay. That's what I need. What is the one thing you would recommend people could do that could make a difference when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, and race? The one thing that people can do is to speak out and to hold their peers accountable. Without accountability, we will never, ever, ever move forward on EDI work. People have to be called out for their bad behavior. People have to be held accountable um, for the results of that bad behavior. And people have to, there has to be consequences. And without that, this work will never, never, never progress. Ms. Jamika Lewis, consultant and historian on inclusion, diversity, and equity, has been our guest on this edition. How America can better practice and manage inclusion, diversity, and equity will be essential to shaping a stronger and better society that works for all of us. Many thanks to Ms. Lewis again for sharing her time with us. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Get vaccinated for yourself and your family's health. Mask up anyway and keep your distance when going out. And we do appreciate you for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us.